It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. With your host, a man who just wants the neighborhood kids to stay off as long, and America's recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. The importance of June 15th in the recruiting process seems to get more and more impactful every single year, not just for Division One, but also for other division levels. And really, we could apply this to every first contact. Your first contact with a recruit especially when it's a compact sort of shortened recruiting cycle. The calendar is very small compared to maybe something that would go over a year long in recruiting. It becomes more and more important. And we're starting to focus more and more on that because coaches are coming to us and asking, what should we do? How should we be different? How does this, uh, that our process, how does it maybe stand out from everybody else? So what I wanted to do is give you the beginning elements of what makes a good first contact, what makes a good first June 15th contact for college coaches in your program, because we get so many questions about it year after year around this time. Um, We are inundated at the start of June with sort of the rush, cramming for the test. How do we get this? How do we fix it? How do we make it better than it was last year? We want to give you what has worked the best over the last few years in the programs that we work with as clients uh, and that we've studied and tracked in terms of their results and the advice that we give, how, how did that actually play out in the marketplace of these recruits starting to take in colleges, coaches, and programs that they might be interested in. So I wanted to go through and give everybody listening and watching some sort of idea, some sort of game plan, at least the construction and the architecture of a game plan that you can use that we feel is going to be successful. Now, I'm going to say this with a couple of disclaimers right at the start. This is not a one-size-fits-all thing, so I'm going to give you the architecture that you can build around. There's a lot of details. Obviously, if you are an NAIA football program listening to this, you're going to approach things differently than a Division I softball program, which is different than a Division II men's basketball program, which is different than a Division III track and field program. Everybody's unique. Every school is unique. Every program is unique. So this is meant to be a framework that you add to, but I want to give you some elements that tend to work better and better the more that you use them. So that's number one. Number two, your coaching personality, especially if you are a head coach listening to this, matters. So we're going to suggest some things that might be outside of your comfort zone. Well, I'd still, you know, if it were you and me talking, it would be, I would push you to try those things. But if you just hear something that you say, that's just not our style, that's not the way I want to approach it, then by all means, just disregard the rule. Um, because this isn't an all or nothing thing. This is piecing together what we have seen work across spectrums, across sports and division levels, the best. And that's to put it together so that you can get an idea of what other coaches are doing and then decide for yourself, is this something that we want to do? And the answer might be no. Uh, I'm hoping that it's yes more than it's no. So as we start out, let me just say that for the June 15th question, I can't think of a topic or a time in the recruiting cycle that causes more confusion than this one does. And I think it centers around the idea that we all wanna make a good first impression, right? We all want to, whether it's in a personal situation or our program with a recruit or the first time we have a team meeting, whatever it is, we wanna establish some things as a coach. And what I see coaches doing is moving towards the idea that 
this first contact, June 15th, or this first time that I am talking to this recruit, I have to establish myself and everything about our program in cement without question in lots of detail so that they understand exactly who we are. And I understand the motivation for this and the thinking behind it is you want to be transparent, you want to be truthful, you want to be honest, you want to be thorough, and that's all great except on June 15th, except on that first contact, because what we're finding is that this generation does not necessarily need, want, or is looking for those things from you. They need some different elements. So so I want to erase that confusion and get to some very specific things that we've seen work so that you can talk to your staff. You can listen to this and maybe replay it and look and watch it and listen to it again and take in the information again and figure out what is the way that we want to approach it this year, knowing that there, this generation is far different than the one that was I was recruiting maybe five or even 10 years ago. Um, so let's go over first some very specific goals. That's the first topic that I want to really tackle are, all, are the goals of a first contact, a June 15th contact, or whenever you happen to first contact and talk to a new prospect. Um, what are some things that should not be goals? First of all, uh, I think first of all, you should not have the goal of selling your school or your program or your university to that new prospect. Why is that? Dan, you're always talking about that we're actually sales professionals and we need to embrace selling. And so why should I be selling? Well, because there's a right and a wrong time to do that. And I think a lot of coaches who aren't planning on taking a very long-term consistent um, approach in recruiting, like we advise and work with our clients on and and really have adopted that philosophy that, that we feel works best. Uh, if you're not going to do that, you kind of have this thinking of this first contact is my one shot. I've got to explain why we're so great right at the start, because this is the only time I'm going to get their attention. Um, if this is the only time you're going to have their attention, then that prompts some other questions and some things that might be more uh, more uh, disconnected in your program or with recruiting that you might want to look at and investigate uh, because this is not the time to sell. This is their first impression of you, their first chance to talk to you. And the goal for this, well, we'll get to the goals here in a second. I, I want to go through some a couple more that the things that should not be the goal. Um, so we just mentioned selling. Please don't try to sell. They're not interested in what you're selling right now. And if they are, you'll get a follow-up question at the end of your conversation or during the conversation. Hey, coach, I'm a business, I want to study business. How's your business program? Absolutely, then jump in and sell the business program. Coach, uh, I'm really, I want this kind of training. I really like this type of coach. Um, are you that type of coach? Absolutely sell yourself as a coach, but only in response to them asking specific questions about a specific aspect of the way you approach things or, or what's on your college campus. So, but overall, one rule, one goal that we shouldn't be having is to sell them on us because very hard to do in one in one phone call, especially a first contact or a first phone call. Number two that we don't want to do is we don't want to pressure them. We don't want to have this first call be the time where we say, now look, you know, here's what we need, here's what we want, uh, you got to do this, this, and it better be done in this or else we're going to pull all the offers. We don't want that. We don't want to pressure them right at the start because we know uh, coaches who have tried have gotten back to us and said, hey, I think I made a mistake here because here's what I said, and we can dissect it and figure out pretty quickly that, yes, that was that was a mistake. So we don't want to pressure them. 
That doesn't mean that we don't want to set up boundaries and procedures and guidelines and timelines, but it doesn't mean that we want to pressure them. So just keep that in mind that this is a time of connection and uh, this is a time where you begin to develop and sort of hopefully um, initiate some momentum in the process. We don't want to do that by pressuring them. And the other thing we don't want to do is as we're talking to the prospect and as we know other coaches that we're competing with are also talking to them, and they happen to mention one of those, those teams, or even if they don't and you bring it up, we don't want to demean or negative recruit using another coach or another program's name. Um, when you start negative recruiting, especially if it's at the start of the process, um, bad things are going to happen for you. First of all, it's not the right way to do it. It doesn't have good long-lasting results. We've studied this and, and we know that negative recruiting initiates more transfers down the road away from that program than, than anything. So we know that that's not the right way to do it. But in, in this first conversation, as you're fighting for air and you fight for differentiation, you're trying to inch your way out into the lead compared to all the other coaches that might be contacting that prospect, one way not to do that uh, is to demean negative recruit, say something bad against that other coach or that other school. Be complimentary because the other thing you're doing is when you are negatively recruiting or demeaning another coach or a university or a region or a division level or whatever it is you're knocking, um, I as the recruit, if I sort of like the idea of that region, that coach, that style, that, that location, now you're really demeaning me. And so I now get defensive and I feel like you're criticizing me. And so the whole thing really does not have any kind of merit, any kind of advantage that it gives you. So really hold off on, on demeaning. I say hold off, not wait until later. Don't demean, don't negative recruit anytime through the process because uh, we've, seen, we've seen a lot of negative repercussions from that negativity. Okay, so those are three things that should not be the goals. Let me go through what should be the goals of this contact on June 15th or your first contact with a prospect. Number one, um, the whole thing really involves, we want to use this day, this first contact, to move them to the next step. In other words, I'm, I know this isn't going to be my only contact. I know this isn't going to be the only time I talk to them. My goal is not to have this be the end-all, be-all call. This is to set up the future. This is to set the groundwork so that I can, over a long period of time, give them more and more information, more and more contact, continue to talk to them, and, and move them down the road. That's the goal of this call, of this contact. Um, so how, you know, how do we do that? Um, first of all, if, if, you, if you needed to construct the outline for a call, here's what I've seen work best. Here's what we in general uh, devise or recommend for our clients that we work with that are part of the Total Recruiting Solution Program that we do through Tutor Collegiate Strategies. Uh, and of course, it's more customized than once we get to know that program. We do focus group research uh, with uh, with them. And uh, so it's a more in-depth process, but I want to give you at least an outline. And if you have questions about how we work with programs as clients, please just get in touch with me and love to set up a conversation with you about that. But for this, the first thing that we want to do with a first contact is tell that athlete where we saw him. So if you're on a phone call, uh, or if you're texting or email, whatever the, the form of contact is, the first thing you want to talk about is identify where you saw them, how you found out about them. If that's from a recruiting service, you got them off a list, rec recommended by a coach, but you haven't seen them play yet or compete yet, that's okay. Just be truthful and explain where you saw them. Give me some context of why and how you're contacting me 
how I got on your list because they really want to know and it, it establishes credibility and transparency right away. So it's always a great way to start a conversation. The next thing is, after you tell me where you saw me or where you found me, can you tell me, number two step in this process, what you like about me? So if I am a coach that has seen a prospect play, I should have an idea of, in general, what it is that I like about them. I want to verbalize that to them. Uh, it doesn't have to be thorough. It can give one or two or three things. Uh, frankly, as a coach, and you know you might be recruiting as a football player, you know, a thousand kids, if you're a Division three school, might be on your list. You could be talking to any one of those, and maybe you don't have detailed notes on each one of those athletes. Um, you can list general things, like I liked your heart, your hustle, but give them something that is the thing that they can say, oh, okay, they know me a little bit. They've, they've, they've seen me, and uh, there's now an association with some positive traits that they have with me. I need to know that as a prospect. Again, it gives me a deeper level of contact with you very quickly if I know what you like about me. The, the tie-in there in step number three is explain at this point how you could see them fitting into your program. So again, if I'm a football coach and I'm you know talking to a linebacker, um, how do we use a kid like you in our defense? What do our linebackers do? And because we do this over here at our program, A, B, and C, the fact that you did one, two, and three when I saw you, um, that tied me in that, that this might be a good fit for us. Through this process of what you like, um, um, where you saw them and how you see them fit. As you're going through that process, what you're doing is legitimizing why you were interested in them, which then further legitimizes why they should be interested in you. So there's a connection and the more detail you can give them, the deeper that initial connection becomes. And that's one of the first secrets that we have found out about January, I'm sorry, June 15th, or a first contact with a recruit. When you first contact them and make that connection, I want depth. I don't want a broad spectrum of information. I want depth about a, a very narrow um, column of information, and then I can grow it from there as the prospect. Um, so after I talk about the fit as a coach, the next step would be, so here are the next steps. Coach, what do you want them to do next? Do you want them to talk about visiting campus? Do you need information from them? Do you want to come watch them play and you need the schedule? Give them something to do, at least one. I would prefer two or three things that you could outline as the next steps. And here's why that's important. Because as we get this conversation going, let's say in the first minute or two that we've just spent with that prospect, explaining where we saw them and they made that connection, great. Now I'm wondering as the prospect, and the prospects tell us, they're wondering, okay, so, so now what do I do? What happens next? And so what most coaches do is keep it very general. They'll say something like, so, hey, we're going to keep watching you. Let's get together sometime. I'll text you. I'll give you a call. And it's very sort of so much no pressure that it almost becomes, where do I go from here if I'm the prospect? I need you to be a strong guide for them right from the start. So by offering these next steps, what you're doing is saying, I know how to do this, and I'm going to gently sort of guide you through this process so that you know how to do it too, at least with us. And when you do that, coach, what you're going to find is that they are going to be more apt to respond to that. And look, if they don't respond to that, if they don't respond to the first three steps, then red flag pops up that maybe they're not interested. Maybe you haven't done enough to solidify why they should be interested, why they should be taking these next steps. And now it gives you the opportunity to pause and do that and see if we can reconnect and get the momentum going again. 
We'll be back to the show in a minute. But first, have you heard about Busy Coach? It's the organizational resource college coaches rely on from Mandy Green, our trusted voice when it comes to running your program, creating more time in your day, and becoming a better leader. After the podcast is over, head over to busy.coach and find out about all the tools she's giving coaches around the country. And now, back to the show. But when you start outlining the next steps, what we're looking for, of course, is the response. And that gets them now interacting with you. And remember at the start, I said the goal is not to sell. The goal is to move them to the next steps. I want to move them out of this first conversation and now into future deeper conversations and actions associated with coming to my program and and playing for me as the coach and competing for me uh, as, as their future college leader. So we've got in the next steps preceded by all the things we like and the tie into them uh, at the, this could be now the end of the call. So we're talking about a very short call, at least that you're outbound sort of giving them information now what I'm going to do is say, so look, I've, I've said all that. What are your next, what are your questions? What can I answer for you? A lot of times when you ask that question, as you know, the athlete will say, no, oh, coach, not, not much really. Um, I'll just yeah, that sounds all great and look forward to talking to you because they don't know what questions to ask. Um, there's some excitement there, but they may not want to show it or not know how to ask the question. Great. I don't want the call to end there. Everybody that's not listening to this is probably there going to end the call. Okay, well, great. I'll talk to you soon. And thanks. We're really excited. And you move on to the next prospect. You're missing a huge opportunity if you do that. I don't want you to do that. After they, after you say what questions, um, and now they say, maybe they'll ask a couple of questions, but then they say, that's it, coach. Great. I, as the coach, want to then follow up with, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, I'll look forward to talking to you. Before I hang up, can I talk to your mom or dad? Are they there at home? Uh, and of course, we don't know what family situation they're coming from, so we just have to sort of be all inclusive with um, with who we're asking for to see if anybody, as an adult, is there to talk to that might be involved with the decision. And maybe the athlete says, "Oh, yeah, my mom is. Yeah, her name is Sharon, and yeah, great. Can I talk to her?" What I'm going to now say to mom is, I'm going to basically repeat that whole pattern. Hey, mom, this is Coach Tudor from such and such university. Just talked with your daughter. Um, um, mentioned that we saw her here. Uh, we really liked A, B, and C, and I told her that it really ties in well with her position, uh, with our position, the way we play that here at one, two, three. Here's how um, I explained that here were some of the next steps we wanted to take and what those were and what those are. Uh, and then I asked her if she had any questions, and she said, you know, she had a question about this, and I answered it. So basically, I want to give a recap to mom or dad. Uh, when I'm done with that, what I want to do is end it with mom or dad the same way that I ended it with the prospect, which is so I wanted to take a chance, introduce myself and ask you, do you have any questions for me right off the bat as far as the idea of, of your daughter coming here to compete for, for my program here at such and such university? That step is so important that most coaches miss because number one, they don't want to talk to the parent. Number two, it's it's something that they're just not, um, uh, they just haven't thought about. The, the, the idea of, well, parents, I'll wait till later. I'll talk to them when they come to campus, or I'll, I'll try to get in touch with them now, uh, later. I mean, no, do it now. This is the chance to form initial contacts. And when you do it 
and another coach or another 10 coaches don't talk to them as a parent, guess who stands out at the end of this onslaught of June 15th? It's you because you took the time to say, hey, I respect the fact that you're the parent. You might be involved in the decision. I'm, I'm opening myself up to you. What questions do you have? Prepare to be on the phone maybe another 15 or 20 minutes because they will have questions. But once that's done, the other thing I want to make sure is I want to make sure I get their cell phone, their email. I want contact with the parents. Uh, why? Well, that could be another podcast, and certainly it has been. You can go back through our, our archives and listen to stuff that we've talked about with parents or go on to the dantutor.com site, go to the blog. If you're a subscriber to Honey Badger Recruiting, tons of good articles and research on parents there. So a lot of different resources I won't go into now, but just trust me, you want the relationship with the parents and you want it as early as possible. So now, you know, what, where does that go from, from there? Um, you know, I think what, what coaches sometimes uh, have to do as you're formulating this strategy is really ask yourself, we went over these goals uh, I went over sort of the structure of how to make that first call. Um, I need you to sort of self-reflect, like, what is it that you and your staff are trying to do on June 15th or any first contact with the recruit? So, um, for instance, what are your what are your priorities as a as a program? Is it numbers? Is it quality over quantity? Um, that's that's something I've I've got to I've got to determine. Uh, so that's the first thing is determine what that class looks like and what the goals are for the class and make sure that whatever structure you put in place, it's going to match those goals. Uh, the second thing that I would say is like, who are we asking? So, so when the whole purpose of, of these first phone calls is to develop a, um, a good pool of athletes to draw from that I then as a coach can determine who are we going to eventually ask and I don't think there's anything wrong with asking earlier versus later. When I'm saying asking, asking for a commitment, because some of you that are listening to this prior to a June 15th or a first contact, you're calling a prospect, you're making contact with them, and you know that you want them. You know that you've seen enough. You know that they'd be great. In this culture, in this setting, especially if you have scholarship money to offer, absolutely, if you know that they're good enough, I would not have any issue with asking them to commit on that first call. Now, that might seem like an outrageous idea, but let me just remind you that during COVID, the number of coaches that we talked to that were shocked that their prospects were so easily ready to commit to a, a school without even visiting the school and how quickly that happened, it, it amazed them. When we talk to the athletes, it's not so um, hard for them to do. And this is where there's been this big culture shift between a lot of coaches and the eras that they grew up in into now over the last five years this generation just acts a lot differently the campus visit is becoming less and less essential and i'm not saying overall or a majority but within that they feel more comfortable with the idea of committing to a place without spending a lot of time there which is different than how you and i did it but that's something that we're finding in this generation so who are you asking when are you going to ask them what are the priorities those are things that you have to do if you are recruiting a class of 20 or 50, um, or you know you have to, you're going to focus on a certain number of athletes right away, especially for a first contact, and, and they're going to be important. I want you to determine if it's 20 or 50 or 75, 
rank those athletes, those prospects in numerical order, one to 75. Yeah, but Dan, they're all different positions. Uh, they all bring different qualities. That's fine. I still want uh, to understand who's number one based on positional needs, who's number one based on leadership characteristics or just overall athletic ability. Any other measurement tool you wanna use, rank them one to 50, one to 75, one to 20, whatever your number is of your core group. And I wanna then determine who we're asking from that number and what we're saying, or maybe th different things that we might wanna emphasize on first calls from that ranking. Too often coaches, what we're finding is they'll just go in with a, a list. I have 120 names, I have 50 names. Uh, and they're just names. And you have, of course, some individuality, you like some more than others, but there's, there's it's sort of this just big group of names. When you rank them, just trust me on this, and the coaches that are listening to this that have done that, because we've done a lot of instruction on Tudor University and some of our workshops that we do on campuses on ranking athletes, it changes the way that you approach everything. Uh, and so I want you to have an element of that inserted into starting at this first contact to know going in who are our number one kids based on what we know right now that ranking can change the more you find out about them the more they develop it's a fluid list but i need to understand who are we calling and and how where is the importance and the prior priority there um when you're when you're going out and uh, and and actually um presenting yourself in that first call I think another really critical question to keep in mind and to ask yourself is how are we different in our program? How am I different as a coach? How is our approach different? Because there are so many things, so many coaches and programs and schools uh, jumping in and trying to make themselves known to this prospect at the start that it becomes a lot of white noise and everybody starts to sound the same. And look, everybody has in general the same approach. You have really exciting you know, season coming up. Um, it's a great place to go to school, great degree. I'm a great coach. We have good facilities. Everybody has a story to tell. Great, and I want them to tell that story, and I want you to tell that story. But within that, how are you different, especially on this first contact date? So this, we've been talking about phone calls, contact uh, verbally on, on, uh, on June 15th. But there's also other things that are, are need to be factored in. For instance, like uh, the written message that goes out. Some of you will text the athletes. Some of you will be sending material out for the first time on June 15th to a new class. Great. How do we approach it different than everybody else? So some of the things that we've talked about with some clients recently in preparation for June 15th is, you know, the, the NCAA and college athletics allows you to have certain contact. They have some parameters. They have things, materials need to be contained to eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper, that type of thing. They have some rules that we want you to follow and you have to follow. Uh, we don't want you to break any rules. But for instance, there's not a lot of definition on what the packaging can look like that goes out, that, that you send. How could packaging be different for a prospect that you're reaching out to for the first time that could be different from other programs? Have you thought about that? It doesn't have to be an envelope, does it? It doesn't have to be a certain size, does it? So those are the things that, for instance, you would want to pay attention to. Be creative on things like packaging, um, what you send. Uh, again, there's some restrictions on what it is that, uh, that you know, from size standpoint could be sent, but what about the content 
of that stuff. What is everybody else sending? What do we want to send instead that makes us stand apart? Another good question that I would want you to ask. Um, how are you going to frame the conversation? So I want to know, just like when we talked about telling the athlete where you saw them, what you liked about them, that's a little bit of framing. How do we frame the rest of the conversation? What are the themes that we're going to talk about, not only now in this first packet, this first messaging series, but how does that set up the rest of our conversation? An important question that you as a, a, um, a program, as a coaching staff, should talk about because most coaches don't. And what we don't want is to go out and be the same as everybody else. Um, it works if you're a Power 5 school coming off of a, a conference or national championship. I think you're going to do okay in terms of attention and replies. For the other 99.5% of programs, it, it's hard to break through that noise of being like everybody else. And so what are some things that are different? How can you make them laugh? How can you make them smile? Um, we don't, remember, need to sell them right away on everything right in this first message. What we need is a response. We need on to the next step. That's the goal. So how does the packaging, the messaging, what you're sending through the mail, uh, through email, through text message, how is that different than other coaches? And how is that going to help initiate our uh, response? The other question I want you to answer as a program, as a staff in planning this is, how are we initiating a conversation and engaging the parents right away? How do we do that better than anyone else? Um, lots of different ways to do that. I gave you one a couple of minutes ago in explaining uh, on the phone call how to interact with the parents. Just understand that more than ever, parents are helping their athletes make the decision. If you're not offering a full scholarship and they're going to have to pay some money to the school uh, to go there, uh, which is the majority of programs around the country, regardless of division level, understand that parents are behind most of the time the decision on how much and where we're going to spend that money and how we're going to come up with that money. So parents are very much involved, and especially now as we record this in today's economy with inflation uh, pressures mounting on families, the cost of living, job situations in some families have changed and have become a little more precarious. So all that goes into an economic decision now. Well, guess who is most of the time being leaned on to help guide that economic decision? It's the parents. For you as a coach, your responsibility is to engage them, uh, have those conversations, and help them understand why you are the best investment over somebody else uh, that they might be looking at. Again, not negative recruiting, but why your school, the value there and your program being a part of it and, and you as the coach, why are all those things advantages that you would want to invest in if you were the parent? As an overall approach, that is the framework that I'd have you either answer those questions on or take the approach of a first contact with the goal of just getting on to the next step and creating some good momentum going forward. What I've described here for you as a coach is not, this is how we hypnotize them and get them to commit to your program. This is you establishing yourself as a player with a good system for how to move forward and instruction on how to do that. That's the goal of this. Let me end this podcast and this, um, this, this video by saying that there are things within the athlete mindset that I want you to understand and be aware of as you go through this process. Um, first of all, you are talking to an athlete, regardless of division level, regardless of 
of um, sport, so we're talking to an athlete most of the time that is nervous. Uh, this is something they've been shooting for. They don't want to blow it. They are excited that they're hearing from a coach, but they're also very nervous. And what do we do when we're nervous, especially when we're teenagers? We tend not to talk much. We tend to wait and be instructed. So I need you to instruct me as the teenager that's getting recruited on what I should be doing next. That's why your leading in all this is so important because you're dealing with somebody very nervous. It's a casual conversation with you. You'll have it 150 times over the next 24 hours, maybe 48 hours. You've done it before, maybe for many years. It's old hat for you. It's not for them. It's the first time they've been contacting. So understand that they're nervous. Um, they are very much, they tell us, we're waiting for a coach to tell us what to do next. What is the next step? How do I go through this recruiting process? If you leave it up to me too much, I'm going to fold and just wait for you. And now you're waiting for me. I'm waiting for you. And that's where a lot of separation happens and we never get anywhere. So you as the coach have to be comfortable leading them because they're wanting to be led and they're waiting and actively looking for a coach to, um, to, to lead. Um, they're also really insecure about where they stand in the whole process. And ironically, and we've worked with some division one national championship teams, and they, you would assume that their classes of their athletes are these super confident, just I'll take the world by storm kids, because that's what they put out on social media. When you get down to the nuts and bolts of it, and you're talking to them, or you're hearing feedback from them when we do focus group testing with programs and their, their athletes that they recruit, they're some of those insecure kids. The best athletes are sometimes so insecure, which in a sense is what has made them good athletes. They've been so insecure, they just keep working. They work harder. They want to outwork, outwork, outperform. And that insecurity sometimes has, has developed into this incredible athletic ability because they're convinced somebody's better than them. Well, they take that into the recruiting process too. So just understand you're dealing with somebody that is nervous, that is waiting to be led, and that is insecure about where they actually stand. So if I'm a coach, I want to confirm what we think about them. And again, that's the whole purpose of some of those beginning elements of that phone call where we are assuring them, I saw you here, I like this, here's how it's going to fit. Um, we don't want to overly inflate them in terms of their ego or, um, or just it's all rainbows and sunshine that we're talking to. But we want to explain to them and let them know that you're good enough for this level. I'm recruiting you. We want you and and then move from there um understand too that in this initial call uh, or the initial email the initial letter whatever it is as they're reading what that is or they're hearing you talk they are comparing you to other coaches and how they've been approached by them what you're saying they're so they're comparing coach to coach program to program college to college and process to process who is it that is rising to the top and who sounds like everybody else that I'm not excited about and so I'll put them at the bottom. There is an initial culling of the group of, of uh, programs that is interested in them that happens on first calls. So if I'm a good athlete and I'm hearing from 15, 17, 18 schools or more, and even if I'm only hearing from four or five schools, I immediately want to, in my mind as an athlete, rank them. Who are my most important? Who sounded good? Who seemed more interested in me? They're doing that analysis. So again, as you're developing this approach and you're building out the architecture, as I've described it, what are you doing to make sure that you're different, that you approach it differently, that you're saying different things, that you're 
you're making the point of why we're better. Um, those are really, really critical aspects to what you're doing here uh, that I just want to underscore. As you build out your architecture, it doesn't necessarily mean you do it the way you've always done it. You may have to do things differently to make yourself stand out and to make the point that you are or you should be one of these um, uh, programs that um, that should be considered differently because you are approaching it and saying different things uh, differently. What is unique about your program? That's really one of the initial things we want to um, that we want to emphasize, and then how they tie into that uniqueness and why you want them. Um, again, this is all about making a first impression, not selling the whole school, not selling all, uh, convincing them that in one phone call this is why they should come there. Resist that temptation with everything you have, coach. This is all about achieving the goal of getting them onto the next step. You want to break out of this pack of the initial group of 10, 15, 20 schools, move on to the next group, which, and then keep moving on to where other schools are falling off the list and you're remaining. So there is an element of successful recruiting that we have found that involves just surviving the attrition that takes place in the mind of the athlete as they eliminate other schools. It is in some respects a process of elimination and it starts with the first contact on June 15th. So again, this was not meant to be the end-all be-all um, complete overall um, uh, how-to list of how to approach this because every school, every coach is different, like I said at the start. But what we have found is that this is a general structure that works very well that for most coaches that are going to be, um, that are going to be initiating it and they follow this advice, what you're going to find is it's going to get way better responses faster. You're going to move through the process quicker. And at the end, you're still going to be standing, whereas a lot of other coaches that didn't listen to this or didn't that listened to it and didn't apply it um, are going to struggle like many have struggled. We don't want that. That's why we wanted to devote some time because we're getting so many questions about it heading into June 15th. So, Coach, I hope that helped. And we really appreciate you listening and uh, taking in the information. If we can answer any questions, you go to dantutor.com. A lot of great free resources there. Um, subscribe to Honey Badger Recruiting because we'll be talking about more June 15th stuff uh, and other concepts of recruiting um, all the time there uh, on that advanced recruiting page. And uh, we hope that you're involved in in that and all the other things that uh, that we can do. And if there's any specific question that you have, just email me, dan at Dan Tudor. I'm happy to help any way I can uh, answering questions and getting you off to a good start. That's what we're all about here at Tudor Collegiate Strategies. Coach, thanks. Good luck as you begin a new recruiting class. And I hope that all of this information helps build a great architecture for being successful with this new class of recruits. College Recruiting Weekly is a production of Tudor Collegiate Strategies, copyright 2022 through 2023. To contact the host, email him at dan at dantutor.com. And do us a solid, Coach. Rate and review our podcast right now. Plus, it wouldn't kill you to tell your fellow coaches about it, would it? So do that, too. And stay tuned for the next amazing episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. Oh.